This is an ASCII Live media production for the Manly Warringah Seagulls official podcast channel. G'day, I'm Steve Menzies. Kenneth Richard Arthurson is player number 59 to play first grade for the Manly Warringah Seagulls, one of the most influential people ever in the history of our game. Peter Peters was lucky enough to catch up with Arco and delve into his illustrious career both on and off the field and the amazing legacy that this man has left at our club. Sit back and enjoy this four-part series. Manly, manly, manly is the chat you hear around And here's the man himself, the great Ken Arthurson. Ken, welcome. Let's start at the beginning. You're born in Glebe in Sydney on October the 1st, 1929. Ten years younger than you is your sister Jean, who was later to become a high achiever as Mayor of Manly for many years. You move from the eastern suburbs where you lived and you go to school at North Bondi Primary and then Randwick Boys High School. It's true, yeah. And then you moved with your mum and dad and your sister to the Northern Beaches and you go to Manly Boys High School. That's right, yeah. You, you join Freshwater Surf Club and that's where your love of rugby league begins. Yeah, well, I played uh, I played with Freshwater Surf Club and D-Grade. Both Roy Bull and I were playing uh, together at that stage of the game. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that was uh, under-16 competition, yes. How ironic that you go to school with Roy Bull at Manly Boys High, you play foot rugby league with him at Freshwater Surf Club, where, incidentally, you were the beach sprint champion at a very young age. Um, and Roy goes on to become Manly's first local junior to wear the green and gold of Australia. Oh, look, he was a terrific forward, Roy, uh, absolutely fearless. And uh, he, uh, he actually played first grade at the age, I think, of 18. In the front row? In the front row, yeah. And he never took a backward step. No, he certainly did. No, he, did. he really didn't. Yeah. The colours of Freshwater Surf Club are synonymous with the Sea Eagles because the maroon and white you're wearing now comes out of Freshwater Surf Club. Well, it does. We used to say at Freshwater Surf Club, they've taken our colours, and they did, actually. Yeah, they really did. So you join Freshwater Surf Club, you play in their premiership winning side that won the President's Cup, and that was a real help for Manly to enter the New South Wales Rugby League in 1947. Yeah, I think it was actually the 1946 President's Cup team that uh, was instrumental in us um, getting uh, admitted into the, into the grade ranks. I didn't play, uh, I was not old enough to play on that 1946 side, but uh, I think um, them winning the competition was the instrumental in us getting into the competition in 1947. What an achievement that was at that, at that time. Well, it really was, and uh, they they were a great team, Manly, and uh, they they, uh, they they did a terrific job. And of course, as I say, by winning that, that was instrumental in uh, getting into the grade ranks. Okay, so what are your early memories of Brookvale Oval in 1947 when the side entered the New South Wales Rugby League competition? Well, Brookvale Oval at that time uh, just had a, a huge racetrack around it and, uh, of course, uh, the, the stands that are there now weren't, weren't there, obviously, and uh, it was uh, 
because I can remember playing South Sydney there uh, uh, and uh, they were absolutely packed around, sitting on the sidelines. And I can always remember we uh, we led in the last uh, closing minute of the game and South Sydney were awarded a free kick and Johnny Graves was kicking for South at the time and to, the, the try they scored was uh, right in the corner. And... Uh, the, uh, to kick the goal, he had to move the crowd so that he could get back to take the steps up to, to kick the ball. And and you wouldn't want to know, but he's kicked it from, from the sideline and uh, and they've got up and beat us by a point there. Okay. Now, North Sydney, who were to become our arch enemies, were not our enemies in those days. In fact, North Sydney helped greatly in Manly being able to enter the major competition. Yeah, well, look, I've always, uh, I've always been a supporter of North Sydney. I mean, I, I think you know they were a, they were a good club, and uh, I, uh, I, I've always had a, a great regard. I was very, very sorry to see them go out of the league, to be honest. You make your first grade debut in 1950, and you played 41 games between 1950 and 1952, and Manly makes its first grand final at the SCG. And you're the halfback in that side. Yeah, that's true. That's an incredible achievement, isn't it? Well, for a side that's so young to make a grand final so quickly, it, it, it was. It was a tremendous effort on on Manly's part. And as a matter of fact, um, I can recall the season very well. We, so George, uh, uh, played Souths in the semi final, who were the minor premiers, and uh, they beat Souths. And uh, we played Wests and, uh, and we beat Wests and then met St George in the final. We bet, beat St George and uh, we, uh, of course, uh, but, but in beating St George, we, we, uh, we had some terrible injuries uh, for the following week when we played South in the grand final because in those days the, uh, the minor premiers had the right of reply. So South were still in the grand final and... Uh, we we had a we had a depleted side really. Wally O'Connell, for example, was our captain and a terrific player, and he was unable to play. And uh, other players played that were, you know, they weren't really a hundred percent fit. But that's not taking anything away from South because they were a great team and they deserved to win. And uh, and they won the competition. They they beat us that day, and uh, uh, <laughs> that was, uh, you know, it, it was a devastating blow because I. Uh, I thought after beating St George, uh, we were going to be pretty hard to beat. It's a long time ago, nineteen fifty-one, but it was a Sorry. it was a, an achievement that I find it's almost like climbing Everest. It's uh, it's it's so hard to fathom that this young club um, with a local locally produced halfback in yourself made a grand final after just five seasons in the competition against. Teams that have been in since nineteen hundred and eight. Yeah, it was a pretty good effort, and uh, but look, it was mainly uh, attributed, I think, to Wally O'Connell, who was an international and a uh, kangaroo captain uh, uh, and a great player. As a matter of fact, um, when I was uh, when I was young, going to school, uh, Wally was my idol. I just, as a matter of fact, I used to follow Eastern Suburbs because he played for East at that time. So. I, Wherever they played, I, I went to watch him play, and uh, and to, to uh, have the uh, the honour and distinction uh, to to play with a man of his calibre later on was a terrific boost for me. 
Well, Manly signed him as a captain coach, I recall, and because of the residential rule, he still lived in the eastern suburbs, um, they wouldn't let him play. No, they wouldn't let him play the first year. That's right. Exactly right. Okay. You leave Manly after just 41 games, which a lot of people would find incredible. But in those days, and you had high hopes for yourself as a rugby league halfback, you wanted you wanted to go all the way. Explain how you ended up at Parks as captain coach. You left Sydney with five quid in the bank. That's all you had. Well, that, that was really the... Um the deciding factor. I'd just been married at the time, and uh, of course, we didn't have any money. I think we had five quid in the bank. Was uh, was exactly how it was, and uh, and uh, we were offered four hundred pounds to go and or I was offered four hundred pounds to go and play in parks, which was a, a heap of money in those days. So uh, it was uh, it was pretty difficult for for us not to do it. And, uh, you also wanted to crack and also crack football. I, I did, and uh, and the country coach at that time asked me to go and play in the country because um, he, uh, he certainly had me in mind to play for country. And uh, so uh, I did. I went to Parks and, of course, um, you know, I was injured up there. In a, it was well, a representative were. game, actually. And uh, uh, the Western District team was mad that night and uh, I was uh, I was named as captain of that team. But, of course, I was in hospital. Well, you were three months in hospital. Yeah, well, they did. There, was a, there was a period where... They feared for your life. Yeah, well, I was very, very fortunate, actually. I, I got this, uh, it was a freak accident, you know, I got this 10-inch depressed skull fracture and, uh, you know, and, and uh, had any of the uh, had any of the fragments of bone gone into the brain coverage, it would have been the ball game. And, uh, but but uh, I was fortunate. I, I, I got through it okay and I still got a bit of a dented head, but other than that, uh, I, was, uh, I was very fortunate to get through it. And, uh, so at 23 years of age, oh, yeah. your career was over. Oh, look, it absolutely broke And you live for the game. Oh, I mean, you know, it was uh, it was nice to still be associated with the game as I was and continue to be, but there's no fun like playing, and uh, I missed it enormously. I well, really yeah. you know, you returned to Manly as third-grade coach. Yeah. And that was in 1954. Reserve grade coach in 1955 and 1956, and then you become first grade coach from 1957 to 1961, and you were the youngest coach and still are the youngest coach to to coach first grade in the major competition. Yeah, well, I I heard that recently on on radio, and I was surprised to hear that, but I I was 27 when I started coaching, uh, mainly first grade. The year before, I'd coached the um, the reserve grade, and uh, and we we got through to the grand final, and uh, we lost it. And of course, I uh, I coached mainly for the next five years after that, in which we made two grand finals, lost both of them. Of course, I might add. So, you know, I, I don't know whether it was my bad coaching or I was. Well, every grand. year, every year you coach first grade. Yeah. Mainly made the finals, and uh, as you say, yeah, two did. grand finals. Yeah, fifty-seven, fifty-nine. Yeah. Yeah, well, we did. We fifty-seven and fifty-nine, and, and and we were unfortunate enough to be up against St George when they had that great team. That well, they had that those, wonderful run, didn't oh, they? Oh, they won all those premierships in a row. Mm. Matter of fact, they had players in their reserve grade that were probably good enough to be in. And certainly, a couple were internationals. You know, it it ignited a fire in your belly, though, didn't it? That you desperately wanted a oh. premiership. 
was, at Manly. I was desperate to win a comp for Manly. Yeah. yeah. Um, in 1962, you become treasurer and secretary. In 1963, Jack Munro, who was a great servant of Manly, he was, yeah. and you had a background in accountancy. You actually did your intermediate at 21 years of age because you my, wanted my leaving certificate. Your leaving certificate, yeah. yeah. Yes, I did. Um, your background in accountancy held you in good stead during all your years as Secretary of Manly. Yeah, well, I suppose uh, it did to some extent. It, it, it certainly helped, but it's no load to carry, that was for sure, yeah. Frank Facer from St George mm-hmm. was the first full-time secretary. Yep. And Ken Arthurson I was, the, was the second. Yeah, that's right. And you forged a fantastic career, 20 successful years as Secretary of Manly. You quickly established yourself as one of the most successful administrators of your time. In 20 years as Secretary, Manly played in eight grand finals, winning four in 1972, 1973, 1976 and 1978. Manly played in 15 final series during your 20 years as boss. Yeah, well, it was a, it was a, a really uh, good effort, not, 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 uh, not necessarily on my part, but the, uh, the players that participated and those that, that coached them at that time, they did a terrific job. And Manly, uh, Manly were probably recognised as, if not the strongest, certainly one of the strongest teams in the, uh, in the in the Premiership. You left no stone unturned to bring that title across the harbour and spit bridges. I was absolutely desperate because, as I said before, I'd, uh, I'd coached Manly uh, into the grand final twice and uh, we'd played in, in several others after that and just been beaten and... Uh, I was absolutely desperate for it. You knew what it was like to get beaten. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I must say, <laughs> it's more fun to win than get beaten. I assure you of that. But, but I was determined that uh, somehow or other for us to get through and win a premiership. The build-up to 1972 and the club's first title was a long and frustrating process as Manly were tagged the bridesmaids. We hated that tag. Um Six years earlier, you made a significant signing when you went to Wollongong to watch a reserve grade grand final between West and Port Kembla. After the game, soon after it, you signed a 17-year-old 5'8 named Bob Fulton. How significant was that in your master plan to win a first title? Oh, look... uh I, uh, I saw Bob Fulton, as you say, play. I saw him first play when he was 16, and uh, and uh, I could see that he had it. You know, he was a terrific player. In fact, I've uh, I've been asked over the years who's the best player I've ever seen, and it's always difficult to say that, you know, Gasney or Churchill or Raper or Fulton, who was the best player. But my personal favourite has always been Bob Fulton. He, uh, he just had that incredible knack of, uh, of being able to turn a game at any given time. And uh, he, uh, he, well, he was one of the first four, uh, four uh, people named. Uh, as an immortal. As, a, as an immortal. And uh, he, uh, 
but but as I say, you know, I mean Churchill, Gasney, and Rape. I mean, so if they were the first four named, that uh, but Bob Fulton has always been my favourite player. I've seen him turn a game on that many occasions. It's just remarkable. It really, he really was a fantastic player, and uh, he uh, he just didn't know how how to not do his best. Bob, he was one of those blokes. What satisfaction did it give you, and right throughout your career? of when you signed young players and then they become a great player. And every now and then, and probably once in a lifetime, you get a young man that becomes an immortal of our game. I mean, the satisfaction it must give you must be, must give you the, uh, just the biggest thrill. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's no doubt about that. I, uh, you know, for any manly player to uh, to have uh, you know been uh, been chosen in uh, in, in higher uh, selection was uh, was always a big boost to me. But some of the players that uh, that uh, that I've got to come and play with manly that have gone on and made enormously great names for themselves. It, it really you know I, I suppose you know I'd be a funny bloke if it didn't give me a bit of satisfaction. It certainly did. Fulton would become almost like a son to you. Oh, he's been like a son to me. I, uh, I just, uh, you know, I really care about the bloke. That's nice. You built a side around him, really, didn't you? Because you, you didn't leave any stone unturned. You went, you got players from England. You got players from other clubs, which you were criticised uh, for. Um, in the lead up to 1972, and the historic grand final win under skipper Fred Jones, you built a really juggernaut of a side. John O'Neill and Ray Brannigan from Souths, the great Ken Irvine from North Sydney, Graham Eady, the Wombat from Woi Woi, what a fullback, um, and a fiery, skillful young Englishman named Malcolm Reilly from Castleford. You built a great side, Ken. Yeah, well, the other player too that, that played a big part in uh, in that was Phil Lowe from, from England. Yeah, he I, came, uh, he played after 74. Yeah, I... Uh, I saw him and Malcolm really play when I was over in England with the Australian team, and I, uh, I thought, "Geez, I'm, uh, I'm going to see about trying to get these blokes over to Manly," which, uh, fortunately, I was able to do. And uh, oh, they were they, they they were just outstanding players, and we won premierships whilst they were in those teams too. Manly Leeds Club erupted on that Saturday in September 1972, as the fans who had waited 25 years. Celebrated. I remember people on top of poker machines. The lineup outside the club went on forever. Um, the place never stopped partying for uh, days after. It was all worthwhile, wasn't it? Oh, it certainly was. It was, um, you know, as, as I said earlier, it, uh, it, it was something that had really become a big thing in my mind. I was desperate for us to win a premiership because we'd been so close to winning. And uh, I'm not quite making it, but uh, I was just desperate for us to, to actually win a title. And, and, and for us to do it on that first occasion, I, uh, I, I know it was the, 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 probably one of the greatest feelings I've ever had in the game. Well, you didn't have to wait long for the next premiership. Um, it came the next year as Manly went back to back in one of the most brutal grand finals in the history of the game. And it was your adopted son, Bob Fulton, 
who was the difference in that game. Two tries, two brilliant tries, oh. and that was the difference in a 10-7 win it, over Cronulla. Oh, well, no, he was a terrific. We played Cronulla in the semi-finals, and we'd beaten them quite easily. We'd beaten by probably 15 or 20 points, and uh, people just thought it would be a similar walkover in the grand final, but uh, Tommy Bishop had uh, really geared his players up, and uh, and actually the they put on a blue, you know, and uh, did we, they what? Well, you should know, yeah. And we were silly enough to to, to fight back instead of playing football, but uh, so that was uh, the only way I think they could have beaten us. Well, and, it was the only and way, and that's what they employed. And and, and, and look, I and can, it nearly came off. Well, I know it nearly came off. I know we employed the same tactics uh, when I went to England as manager of the team, uh, the the English team at that time was, but they just annihilated everybody and. Uh, and uh, of course, but we got through to the the, uh, the final because uh, it had a big win against New Zealand in Wigan the, uh, during the, the series, and uh, and uh, we uh, we we got them we kid a bit them into a into a, a bit of fighting, and, and uh, whilst they were, fight, they were fighting and getting around, it, we got up and, uh, and won the game. That was in the World Cup. That was in the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. in the seventies. And Manly had great success in the seventies. It was a decade where Manly fans just couldn't couldn't believe their eyes and 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 watch this great side go around and win premierships. You made sure though that there was a good mixture of local juniors. Something started back in the in the in the forties, really, when your mate Roy Bull became Manly's first local junior, as we mentioned earlier, yeah. uh, to play for Australia. And that was, you know, players there. Um, came through our junior ranks and played for Australia as well as winning premierships for Manly. Yes, but see, that's the whole point at issue, and that's the that's what I tried to hopefully got over to people that by getting those players in, it developed our players with them, mm-hmm. and uh, you know players like Terry uh, Randall, Terry Randall, Ian Martin, Ian Alan Martin, Thompson, Alan Thompson, all of Max Krillich, captain Trillich, of Australia, yeah, Fred James, uh, yeah. you, you know, all those. Uh, all those players playing with uh, with, with good players had developed them. Had, had we not got them, they may not have developed like that. Well, that's where we're going to have to leave it for part one of the series of Zorba and Arco. Please tune in next time as we continue the discussions with Ken Arthurson, the legend that is the godfather of men. Manly, manly, manly is the chance you hear around the ground. This has been an ASCII Live Media production for the Manly Warringah Seagulls official podcast channel.